Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to episode 65 of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, you're going to hear from Angela Pohl about her journey of fighting cancer while running. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got The Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational and let the marathon running podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond hey runners and welcome back to another episode of the marathon running podcast my name is letty and i'm usually here with ryan who couldn't make it today but we will still have a wonderful and very inspirational episode this week First things first, some house cleaning. Olympics are officially over. What did you guys think about Kipchoge and also Molly Seidel? I was almost in tears. I don't know why, but these Olympic marathons just really move me. Actually, kind of all marathons move me, but it's just great to see these people run, even though you know they're in pain, you know they're struggling with heat and they still make it through and then they cross that finish line. I like watching their faces and their reactions. And uh, of course, unsurprisingly, Kipchoge is still standing there and looks energetic after his run. Um, I think most of us would be laying down at that point. Anyhow, so Olympics have wrapped up. Hopefully Olympics 2024, we will be maybe traveling to watch and go to Paris for the occasion. Who knows? That's always a dream for all of us that love running so much. I mean, how awesome would that be to be there and stand close to the finish line? Although I'm pretty sure that's going to be some sort of VIP area. So what else is new in the running world? Well, it looks like most fall marathons are still on. So we continue to train hard and do what we can and do our part. And hopefully we'll get to race this fall. All right, so let's move on to today's episode. Today's episode is going to be super inspiring for anyone listening. We try to bring you guys a mix of inspiration and training information sort, and lately we haven't really invited any guests on that were purely inspirational. We've brought you nutrition advice, training Q&As, and all the good stuff, but we feel like every once in a while, it's just great to hear from our own running community. And so I asked Angela Pohl, a runner that I knew through Instagram, to come on and talk to us about her running journey. She had been sharing her running journey for many years. And as recently as this year, I believe it was in January of 2021, she was diagnosed with stage 3B breast cancer. So she is telling us all about her diagnosis and how she is fighting this illness and how her running is helping her do so, as well as how her past running has made her stronger and more well-equipped to deal with these type of things that she's going through right now. And last but not least, she shares her running goals. She has amazing current running goals and then, of course, future goals once she's through with this 
part of her journey, how she plans on using that for future runs. So without any further ado, I will now play my interview with Angela Pohl. So I am here with Angela Pohl. Angela, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Of course. Yeah. And so let's start with um, having you tell us about yourself. Maybe you can tell us your name, age, where you live and how you started running and all the good stuff. Okay. Um, well, my name is Angela Pohl and I'm 47 years old. I live in Northeast Ohio. Um, when did I start running? Let's see, I think it was in 2012. So I was 38 at the time um, and had done nothing like no sports or anything like that um, up till then. And um, I started running uh, because a friend invited me to join her for a first 5K. And coincidentally, it was for a breast cancer charity, the 5K was, and it was in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, and it was nine months away still. And I had I could not even run a mile continuously. So um, I decided, well, that sounds like a good cause to train for something. But do people actually run three miles like without stopping like normal people can do that? I just I had not, you know, I just never considered that I could even, you know, run more than a mile, let alone three miles. <laughs> so I thought that would be a fun challenge. Um, and my friend helped me get started uh, with that. And when I went um, to that race, and this was in September of 2012, and I put on my first bib ever, and I just felt like such an athlete. <laughs> and I was just so proud to be wearing that bib and being in this race where, you know, some people were walking, some people were running. And because it was for a breast cancer charity, I was sure, you know, there were a lot of stories out there. And it was exciting because I knew how much work I had put in just to be able to run three miles. And I could just imagine that there were just all these stories out there. And I just got so hooked and then, you know, signed up for a next race and then a longer race. And next thing you know, I was doing like half marathons every weekend. I <laughs> know <laughs> I love this. I love how we as runners have our own stories of how we get going and how accomplished we feel and as proud we are to stand at the starting line and then eventually the finish line with that bib on. Yes, it's I, I I had never experienced anything like that, I suppose, because I never really did sports. So um, to to set a goal and then, you know, actually work really hard and get to achieve that goal, um, that was just exhilarating for me. And I still chase it today, but I just have to keep going after harder and harder challenges. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. And as you mentioned, the irony behind you behind all this your first race it was a breast cancer race and yeah. you have been diagnosed with that so can you tell us about when that happened and how it happened yeah um so i was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer and the type it's called invasive ductal carcinoma meaning that it started within a duct um, and then it it um, invaded outside of it into the surrounding breast tissue. Um, the 
the stage of the breast cancer when it was diagnosed back in January of this year, so it was January 4th, um, was 3B. So there are um, you know, a number of stages, and that depends on how early that you catch it um, and how much it has spread or invaded into the surrounding tissue. So 3B is... Um, pretty far advanced, uh, but it's still local. Once you get to stage four with a breast cancer, that means that it has metastasized outside of the breast. And um, typically that for breast cancer would be to lungs, liver, brains, or bone. Uh, once it's stage four, it's considered incurable um, although there are a lot of ladies now um, because of a lot of the drugs that they've developed that can live with it as a almost like a chronic illness. Um, but of course, you want to try to prevent it from spreading into stage four. So um, the type that I have is uh, hormone negative, meaning um, it's not uh, it doesn't grow because of estrogen or anything like that. And I had no family history um, of breast cancer and I had no um, genetic markers. I did have my genes tested just to see, you know, if that's what caused this and it did not. Um, and I have what's called HER2 positive, and that's just a protein um, that caused the cancer cells to grow very rapidly. So it's a very aggressive type of breast cancer. And uh, my understanding is that it, it accounts for about 20% of breast cancers is this HER2 positive. Um, let's see. So when I was diagnosed, um, it was because I did have a lump. And um, this was actually in an area that I had 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 been checked before for, um, uh, I had what's called dense breast tissue, which a lot of women do. I think about 50% of women have that. But when you have dense breast tissue, that means it's very difficult for them to see anything in the scans um, because everything shows as white, like the cancer would be white. And so would uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of what's inside your breast um, would show up the same. So it's very difficult to detect. Um, and I had, you know, had some lumps before and they turned out to be nothing. So I had hoped that, you know, this would be the same still, but I did notice that it was changing. Um, and, but this was during, uh, you know, 2020. And so I avoided going into any medical facilities or anything like that. And just kind of hoped that it was nothing major. Um, so I guess long story short, I, I did wait too long to go in, but by the time I did finally go in, it was um, already stage three. So um, luckily for me, um, it had not spread anywhere else beyond the breast. So it is still considered uh, curable, so that's what we're going for, but we're throwing everything at it um, in terms of treatments to try to get every last cancer cell so that it um, doesn't spread beyond um, the chest area and become stage four. 
Wow, Angela, that is absolutely crazy. And I can see a lot of us trying to avoid doctors last year with oh, definitely. Know, the fear of COVID and everything. So that's how it happened. And then, I mean, obviously that must have been a huge shock for you when you found out because of the fact that you've had lumps before and they didn't have anything in them. They were, you know, benign. Right. Yeah, that was, um, I guess, part of me kind of knew, or maybe it's just that I, I tend to, like, <laughs> I know you, you think that I'm such a positive person, but I do tend to, like, worry about the worst or prepare for the worst, I guess. I mean, I hope for the best, but, um, you know, part of me kind of suspected it was, but then I was also partially just in denial, I think, for a long time, hoping that, you know, this was just like everything before and it was just benign. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that it would just <laughs> it go just away. Happen. Can... Yeah. yeah, that's absolutely crazy. And then um, you went from because I, I know you through social media, I know you through Instagram, and uh -huh. you went through discovering this to it seems like a good headspace in that you've decided to share your journey with this and how you are going to fight this, which is super brave. Um, tell us how you were able to get into that headspace, because I can see myself and many other people that if something, you know, negative happens, we usually don't tend to share that on social media. And by doing that, you're inspiring the whole world. But how do you get there? Well, actually, a lot of it I learned from sharing my running story before all of this, um, which I've been doing for several years. And um, I just, you know, I know when I follow other people on social media, like I really gravitate to the people that are very real and vulnerable and talk about the ups and downs. And it's not just a highlight reel. Um, and so my running story, I had always done that as well, um, because I am always training for some big goal. And um, the majority of the time, I don't actually make it at the end. Um, and then, you know, I continue chasing it. Um, and then, as you know, being a runner, there are lots of ups and downs. Um, but I have always chosen to... Uh, you know, share the the good and the bad, the ugly, you know, because that's what that's what it's really like. Um, and so I think through doing that, it's really helped me make a lot of connections and and connect more deeply with people. And so when I um, got this diagnosis, I mean, I still planned to run as you know, as much as I could, even through all of the treatments. And so it would be, I mean, this, all the treatments are such a big part of my life now <laughs> that it would be completely disingenuous <laughs> if I didn't, you know, share what was going on in the background, just like you would share, you know, a running injury or something else that might happen during your running journey um, that's going to affect your running. So, um, so it was, it was actually not that difficult of a decision for me to just continue sharing it, but in, and on the same platform, I guess the only difference is now I do have, um, 
you know, additional people who follow me specifically for uh, the cancer journey as well. And have, uh, you know, I've connected with a lot of people through that. And there's a whole other community there, whereas I used to just be, you know, really specific in the running community. Now it's a lot further reaching. Um, and I just love whenever I get messages from other people going through cancer as well and treatments. And, and they tell me that seeing my posts and seeing me exercise every day and, and go after, um, you know, goals really motivates them to try to move their bodies more. <clears throat> and with, um, with cancer treatments and surgeries and things like that, it's, actually very important to stay active, as active as you can. Um, and that, as um, I have read and I'm told, can help reduce side effects and it can um, help the treatment along and ultimately can help your um, with the results as well, if you can stay active. Yeah. No, I love how you... I love how you look at it and I love how you compare this to a running injury because it, it just shows about mindset that obviously it, this is something super scary, but you're looking at this as kind of part of your running journey that holds your running back a little bit. And I think that really helps to stay positive and focus on what you want to do with your life rather than letting it defeat you. It does for me anyway. I'm not sure, you know, I'm sure everybody's different, but because I'm so goal driven and I, I just am so driven by my running goals as well. Um, I kind of look at it and think, okay, well, this is going to suck for a while and it is going to affect my running but I can still run <laughs> like this isn't, it's not affecting my legs. I can still walk if I can't run. I, you know, for a while, especially during chemo, the, the first set of chemo, um, I had about five months where it was kind of, uh, it was, I'm not going to lie. It was tough, like watching my paces get slower and slower. And the more, you know, I would try to do the less fit I was getting because that's not normal. <laughs> like usually you get fitter and fitter the more you train. And here I was, you know, just going for a three mile run and having to stop like every quarter mile or so just to try to, you know, catch my breath, let my heart rate come down and, or having to run half mile out and backs from my yard um, because there was always the threat of needing to use the bathroom, <laughs> emergency trip to the bathroom. So um, I just did what I could. Yeah, I mean, that in itself is pretty amazing. So you're saying, and I wanted to go into that a little bit more, the treatment. So what does your daily life look like now? Um, so for the first part of the cancer treatments, that was a very aggressive chemotherapy that I went through. Um, I had six total rounds and it was every three weeks, but you would go there and spend all day getting infused with basically poison um, and then a whole bunch of other drugs that help you control the side effects of the poison and then other drugs to help you control the side effects 
of the drugs that you're given to control side effects. <laughs> so oh, wow. I was just, I went from a person who never took anything except maybe occasionally Advil. Like I didn't even like to take, you know, Advil or Tylenol. And I went from that to a person who have has such a huge list of, you know, drugs that I was on um, all at the same time that I just, you know, it was pretty crazy to um, make that kind of change. But I had to look at it as, and I, I, I guess I shouldn't even call it poison because that was one of the things I had to reframe in my mind. Because when you think of it as poison, like you want to reject that, but really, I mean, it is a poison. There's actually poison written on the bag that's being infused to you. Oh, wow. Um, but I, I had to, um, you know, reframe that to it's medicine and this is saving my life. And so when you're sitting there for hours and hours and the drip is going into your, your um, veins, I try to visualize, you know, that this is like life-saving medicine. And so it allows me to accept it into my body and then know that that's actually that's helping me fight off and kill any of the cancer cells. Um, so that was the chemo part of it. And I finished that in mid-May. And then I had um, surgery, which was the next phase. And that was um, on June 11th. And I had a double mastectomy. I went ahead and um, chose electively to have the other breast removed as well. Um, and that's everybody that's a you know, personal choice for anybody that has to go through this. I chose it partly because we don't know what caused this. So I don't know what to change or if I could have even changed anything to begin with. So I didn't want to have to worry about you know, every six months or whatever it is to have to go in and be checked again. And just, I kind of would feel like I was waiting for it to show up on the other side or something. Um, and then also because I decided not to have reconstruction, um, I wanted, uh, you know, to be symmetrical. And so I just went ahead and had a double mastectomy for my surgery. Um, and that was phase two. And I did take some time off from running um, just because it was major surgery. Um, but actually, I didn't have to take as much time off as I thought that I would um, because I chose not to do the reconstructive work. So when you choose to go flat, there's basically just, uh, you know, a very large, long scar all the way across. Um, but then once your drains are out, you can go ahead and you know, continue exercising after that. So it was only, I think I took two weeks off of running after that. Um, and then let's see, then I started the radiation. So what happens is um, when you have your surgery and they remove what's left of the cancer, if there is anything left. Um, so you're, you're hoping for a complete response to the chemo. Um, it's called a pathological complete response. 
I did not have that, unfortunately. It was close. I had like a 95% response to the chemo, meaning that um, the tumor that I had shrank by 95%, which is good, but you really you can't even have one cell left because that will just continue to multiply or to spread somewhere else. So um, the surgery will remove that. Um, and in my surgery, um, unfortunately, they didn't get uh, like, um, what did they call it? The margins were not clear clean. So that means that I needed for sure radiation um, to go through. And basically, it's like when you're cleaning your kitchen sink, so you can scrub it down um, and hope that you got everything. But if you bleach it, then you feel better that, you know, you kind of did that next layer and tried to kill any, you know, of the germs that are left. So that's the analogy that they gave me for what the radiation does is, it, it um, goes throughout the chest wall or the chest area and your armpit, which is where you have any lymph nodes. And it just basically kills any remaining cancer cells that might be hiding out there waiting to, to try to pop up afterwards. Um, so I had um, set up for the radiation and I need 20 total sessions, and today I just finished round 13, so I'm getting there. I think that's like 65% of the way there. That um, process is, it's not painful when you're doing it, but I think um, a lot of the side effects come almost close to when you're finished with it. There's like this delayed effect in terms of when your skin starts to get um, really burnt and then, or any fatigue that comes on. So I'm doing all right so far. And um, I'm just kind of, I know that it's coming, <laughs> but so far I've still been able to run through that as well. Um, and, and then when I'm finished with this, uh, it's daily except for the weekends. Um, when I'm finished with all the radiation sessions, then I will start a new chemo um, that is a targeted chemo. Not, not everybody has to do that if they get a complete response to the first chemo, but I did not. Um, so in a way, it kind of sucks because I don't want to have to do chemo again. And this one's for the next 10 months. So I'm going to be going every three weeks um, starting August 24th to get a, a different chemo treatment. This is not supposed to be as bad in terms of side effects. And I will keep my hair. Yay. Uh, it's starting to grow back now. Um, but you know, you never want to hear you still have to do 10 months of chemo. I'm not sure what effect it will have yet on my, my blood and, you know, my, my oxygen levels or anything like that. So I'm not sure how it will affect my training, my fitness yet. So I'm kind of nervous still to see what that's like and if it becomes cumulative or, or whatnot. Um, but that's, that's kind of, that's coming up next after radiation. But again, I try to reframe that positively as well, because really the, the reason they're giving that next chemo to me um, is because it, 
It's actually a very new drug called Cadsila. It was only approved by the FDA in 2019. So that's how new some of these drugs are. And it's for women that have had a different chemo, didn't get a full response like myself. And um, the what you're trying to do is prevent recurrence. And with this HER2 positive type of breast cancer that I have, it's highly aggressive. And um, if it's going to come back or progress, it's usually within the first two years. And so um, this new drug that I'm on, it was shown to uh, cut recurrences by like 50%. Um, so I am so glad that the timing is such that you know, this is an approved drug now and that I have this option. So, um, so I will gladly sit there and take, take this next treatment for the next 10 months. Wow, Angela, I cannot believe the year or I mean, everything that you've gone through because you mentioned you were just diagnosed in January and we're only in August and everything that you went through that you didn't tell us about including your loss of hair and and everything i can't even i can't even begin with follow-up questions because i don't know where to start (laughs) but just to go over this you had chemo and chemo helps shrink the tumors so if the chemo had shrunk the tumor all the way down then you wouldn't have had to consider the mastectomy is that correct um, it, it depends on the size of the tumor, um, in general. Um, and mine was large enough and had spread enough that either way I would have had to have a full mastectomy because it also depends on the size of your breasts, you know, compared with the size of the tumor. So for me, it would have been, a uh, a full mastectomy either way. Um, but I know that, you know, in other cases, if it's very small, you catch it early, um, the chemo gets it all. And sometimes it's not it's not the case that you always start with chemo. Um, It depends on the type and everything. Sometimes surgery is enough to get it all and you don't have to do chemo. Um, So it it just all depends on what type you have. Okay, that's what I was going to ask you next. So with this whole HER2 type of cancer, if you have the mastectomy, then it, is this something that would show up in other parts of your body now? Or um, So if you have the mastectomy and it hasn't, like there's no evidence visibly that it has spread anywhere else, um, then, um, you know, then you should be good. But the thing about cancer cells and even with this HER2 is um, it it can hide out, you know, in different parts of your body. Um, now, it would, for this to be related to the breast cancer, you know, it would have to have started in the breast and then spread elsewhere. I mean, I, I understand that there is such thing as HER2 in other types of cancer as well, but um, but we're just talking breast cancer right now. Uh, so it's possible that it could spread. It takes, I, I don't know exactly how long, but it can take um, some time before 
if it has spread for it to get big enough um, to have multiplied enough, you know, so that it would actually show up on a scan, for example, or for it to um, give you any symptoms to cause you to need a scan to be checked. So um, I've had PET scans, they're called, um, where it can show if it has spread anywhere else. And so far, so good. And hopefully that will continue to be the case. And this additional chemo that I'm going to get um, is basically in case any, you know, rogue cell decided to go through my bloodstream and is circulating or, or hiding out somewhere else. Hopefully this, this targeted chemo that I get next will um, hunt those down and kill them. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm sure it will. I'm glad that you are able to take a drug that's as new as 2019 because, um, you know, there's always changes and advancements. So that's yes. something really good. So, Angela, let me ask you um, about just in general, how has your view of life changed after, I guess, January of this year? Um. I guess in general, I, I've, I feel like I've become more compassionate um, just because I know what I went through and I, you know, have become close with a number of other ladies that were kind of diagnosed about the same time as myself and have been sharing their journeys. And I, um, I feel like because I've been sharing what I've been going through, um, it has, it kind of opens up other people as well to share back with me. Sometimes they just do it privately. And I've just, just connected with so many people and have heard so many stories. And sometimes it's not about them. It's about their mother or, you know, a friend or a relative um, that's going through and um, they just want to know what they can do to support them. So it's just made me so much more aware of how much suffering <laughs> there is out there. And it's kind of, um, I mean, I kind of, I always knew this, but just being like in the middle of what I'm going through and just it's made me realize like you really really don't know what anybody is going through so it's another reminder to just be kind to people you know we're all humans and we're all just trying to make it and everybody's struggling with something um so it's I guess made me a lot more patient um and appreciative of just the little things Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see how that would um, have that effect that all of a sudden you have something that's so much bigger than any of your previous problems that puts stuff more into perspective. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, perspective, that's, that's a big one. Um, in that, you know, if you were to just randomly go back to some of my running posts from when I first started posting and just my biggest issues were, you know, that I, I failed to hit one split, you know, in my workout and, <laughs> oh, I was just devastated and just, you know, this was before I kind of learned a lot more and got mentally tougher. But back then, like, 
these were my biggest issues, you know. And now if I miss a split or something or I, you know, I'm running slower, it's just like, who cares? You know, I'm running. So yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, along that line, do you have any other tips for anyone that's listening that has, you know, cancer, depression, or any kind of illness that puts us into a bad headspace? Can you maybe talk to us about how you can flip it around and look at life a little bit more positive, even though, you know, they are going through something that we can't relate to? Yeah, I... I was thinking about this and I, um, I guess the way I look at it is that, I mean, tomorrow is not guaranteed for anybody, whether you're going through, you know, cancer or any other illness or anything really like, so I try as much as I can to stay in the day that I'm in. And this is something that I learned from running when we always talk about, you know, stay in the mile that you're in, um, meaning don't look too far ahead um, or you'll just get overwhelmed. Just kind of take it a day at a time. Um, and I look for things that bring me joy. So this is something you can do. Um, And it doesn't have to be, you know, major things, just little things, whether it's, you know, cuddling with a pet or going out in nature or enjoying the weather or something like that, and just really appreciating it. Um, and then also just creating moments. So whether that's lining up something fun to do, going out to lunch with a friend or something to look forward to. So I find it really helpful to make a list of things that I want to do. Some people call it a bucket list. Um, and I, I try to make them not just major, you know, huge things like I want to run a hundred miler one day or something like that. Just, you know, some big things, but also lots of little things. Um, like uh, I had on my list, um, that I wanted to have a lobster roll in New England. And so I recently got to do that when I went to Boston with my daughter on a trip. And that was just one of the things that I wanted to check off my list. Um, just little things like that, because it gives you something to look forward to in the future. And I think that's really important. Um, and I mentioned not focusing on the outcomes, but really just focusing on the process that you're going through. So this is also something that I learned from running um, because if you're in the middle of a marathon and you're just focused on, you know, what your finish time is going to be and you're calculating that, like it just gets too overwhelming. And so in staying, you know, in just the mile that you're in or the day that you're in here, you are focusing more on the process and just working on the things that you can control. So with running, that might be, you know, checking your form or, you know, do I need another gel or how's my hydration doing? Just focusing on the things you can control. And when it comes to an illness and, um, you know, going through treatments right now, for me, that's, Every day I'm looking at, I can affect my nutrition. 
I can up my protein to keep my energy levels up. Um, I can choose what I'm putting into my body. Um, and I know that, you know, treats are there, but also if I choose something healthier, that will give my body nutrients to heal faster, which I want to do. Um, because then that can also support my being able to chase my running goals. Um, the other thing is sleep. And that's a big one. And this is one that I'm still working on right now, because that is when your body actually does its healing and it's recovering. So and this applies to both running or recovering from any illnesses or injuries um, is if you can try to improve not just your quantity of sleep, but the quality of sleep. Um, and then uh, well, keeping up exercise, that seems to be very key in terms of recovery and, and going through treatments and um, recovering from an illness. And so these, this is what I mean whenever I say focusing on the process instead of the results. Um, and, you know, in terms of getting too wrapped up in what's your prognosis or anything like that. You know, when, when this first started, I, of course, I went on Google and looked up all kinds of scary numbers and, um, you know, some things were in my favor, some things were not, and you can really drive yourself crazy with that. And I know that, you know, because my, uh, you know, chemo did not get a hundred percent and then my surgery also did not get, you know, 100%, although we have radiation and then another chemo. Um, I'm sure somebody could put a number on that for me in terms of what my, you know, rate of recurrence risk is, but I haven't even asked about that. And I, I frankly, I don't even want to know because it's not going to change anything in what I do. Um, and that is an example of, you know, if you're just so focused on the results and the outcome, that's not something I can control. I mean, I'm just going to go through the treatments and I'm going to do my best every day um, to, to help the treatments, you know, do their best. And then that's all I can do. And in the meantime, I'm, I still have goals and I'm still working on them. Um, and, you know, I just take it a day at a time. That was beautifully said. And thank you for uh, putting this all into running analogies for our listeners. And I guess that's just what you do because you are a runner out most. And, uh, and, and I, I loved how you put those. But um, so since you brought up your running goals, what are your running goals right now? Um, currently, I am training for a marathon. This is this will be the four, my 14th full marathon. Um, I'm training for the Indy, uh, it's Indianapolis Monumental Marathon in November. So that's, I have about 12 and a half more weeks until that time. Wow. You are amazing. This is so crazy. <laughs> Thank you. So for people that are listening, can you share your contact information slash Instagram handle with us so um, people can go on there and see you? Absolutely. Yeah. Instagram is where I share. Um, I have a public account so anybody can follow me. Um, and it's at goodrunning26.2. 
Perfect. We'll put that in our show notes. And um, yeah, Angela, good luck with everything. And um, I know you're a fighter and I can't wait to watch your stories about that monumental marathon in November. Thank you so much. Thank you again, Angela, for speaking with me. I had a great time talking to you also before and after our recording. I wish you the best on your journey. I know we'll be in touch and I can't wait to have you back on our show in 10 months and talk to you about what else you learned and how we can implement things like that into our lives to make us stronger and better runners as well. So thank you. And thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you guys learned a lot and are able to see silver linings with everything that is going on in our own lives. Make sure to share this podcast with anyone that you think should listen to it and could benefit listening to Angela's story. I also want to invite you guys to join our Facebook group, which is called Running with Friends, where we have a lot of new members and are trying to grow a place for people to share stories, share questions, really anything running related. Stay tuned for next week. Next week, our guest will be Amy Shapiro, registered dietitian. Again, we've had her on a few weeks ago where she talked about training and fueling during your marathon training. Well, in this coming episode, Amy will share with us how to fuel during your marathon. So be sure to subscribe so that way once that episode comes out, you can listen. We appreciate any feedback that you want to leave. Hopefully, it'll be a five-star review and some comments on what you like about our show. So that's it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, head to www.runningpodcast.us. And as always, have a great week of running.